the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast. We're the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today we've got a really cool episode for you. It's part back to school. It's part we love Lynn Thigpen. A little (laughs) bit of both. And so today we are going to break down the 1989 film Lean On Me. We're going to review the early 90s kids game show where in the world is Carmen San Diego and we are going to be doing a casting of our favorite film and TV principles so. you know originally I put on the list to cast where in the world is Carmen San Diego that'd be fun to try and cast the game show mm-hmm. then I realized uh, it was just there's only really two important people you yeah. can't really cast the band no. so I just, all right, no, it's a bad idea. So we could, I ad, admittedly, at first I was like, let's not cast Lean on me because that means we're going to have to cast kids. And so yeah. then, uh, so then there, we came. There out, are sorry, there are a, a good few adult roles, but you're right. Like there are some important kids that you, you, you we'd want to do, and right, you know how much we hate that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know how much you hate that. Um, yeah. And so we came up with this, but then after watching Lean on Me, I was like, wow, there really are a lot of important adult roles. We probably could have recast that one. Yeah, I thought the same thing because we- We kind of jumped the gun on that. We totally jumped the gun because we were so worried about the kids' roles that we were like, okay, uh, we should do something else. And then after watching Lean on Me (laughs) yesterday, I had the exact same thought. I was like, damn, there's like five or six really good adult roles here that would have been fine to recast. Yeah. Eh, fuck it. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. We're committed now. Yes. And, uh, you know, Crazy Joe Clark is on our list of principles, so we can at least cast the main role. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that's what we've got going on on this episode. We hope everyone out there who's going to school, if you're listening to this podcast, make sure you have parental permission because we use bad fucking words on this podcast, people. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I mean, unless you're in college and then case what do whatever the fuck you want. Exactly. Whatever the fuck you want. Uh, okay. Like so, me, Adam. I'm going to be a college student again. You are. You're going back to school. That's right. You have a somewhat unique perspective here um, because, you know, yeah, you have been a school teacher for many years. And then you're also now uh, you're taking a break from that and getting, you know, kind of going back to school for a little bit. So, yeah, you're all over the school spectrum. I know. And the autism spectrum. (laughs) (laughs) That was a bad joke. I'm sorry. (laughs) That was horrible. That was horrible. I think you meant the awesome spectrum. Yeah, (laughs) that's it. (laughs) In which case, I'm very low on that. Yeah, (laughs) well. Welcome to the club, John. It's good to see you here on the bottom. <laughs> Welcome to the TED Talk. Yeah. Okay. All right. 1989. I would love to be set back to 1989 if you could please do that for us, John. All right. So the movie was released on March 3rd of 1989. The Billboard Top 100 single of that week was a song that was on my list of my top 10 favorite Ooh. New Jack Swing songs, and that was the song Straight Up by Paul Abdul. Oh yeah, man, that is a fun song. She just had some. She just had some fun stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure you remember, Adam. Um, our dad used to have a, a videotape of music videos that he liked, Mm-mm. and we would watch it. And one of them 
was not straight up, but it was the other Paula Abdul song that she did with the animated cat. Yeah, um, let's get together. So opposites attract. That's there it. you go. Let's get together because opposites attract. I don't yes. know how DJ many times Scat we. Cat. I don't know how many times <laughs> we watched that video. Yeah, I, I mean that's that is definitely the one that um, is just sunk in my head. Yeah, uh, like crazy, but it's a good one. Damn yep. good one. Uh, no shocker, topping the Nielsen rating ratings was the Cosby Show. Yeah. Uh, the New York Times bestseller for that week was a book called Star by Daniel Steele. Okay. And the kind of the only game that came out that month uh, was a game that was called Fantasy Star 2 uh, by Sega, uh, which is not one I'm familiar with. Nor I. And so we won't be talking much about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the sort of one weird fun fact I have for around that time Flea, Adam, do you know Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers? He's a hell of a bassist. That, hell of a that, bassist. Uh, little bug. Uh, do you know the song uh, Bust a Move by Young MC? Don't stop, just bust a move. You want it. You got Does that tell you anything? You yes. You want it. Well, yeah. apparently Flea actually recorded the bass line on that song. Oh, shit. I had no idea. That's very yeah. cool. Um, but was uh, only paid for his studio time and received no royalties. He was only paid for about $200 um, and did receive did not receive anything else once the song became a uh, top 10 uh, selling hit. Yeah. I mean, did he not... If, if he didn't talk about that in his contract beforehand or yeah. something, then that's kind of on him. Yep. But at the same time, yeah, he, you never know. Oh, and he's, he's uncredited. Young. That's the other thing is he's actually uncredited uh, okay. on the song. Yeah, Young MC really didn't do much, but Bust a Move is something that (laughs) everybody remembers. Yeah, that was 1989. All right, before we get into Lean On Me, we have a new review on Apple Podcasts. All right. Yes, woo! All right, so thank you, Smoof Waza. That's a good name, (laughs) Smoof Waza. Spit up my drink there. Yeah, uh, and it's a five-star review, so big big props to you on that. Thank you so much. Saying a fantastic, nostalgic podcast. Adam and John provide entertaining topics, conversations, and at times banter every week. <laughs> Love that each episode has different names like top ten lists, full album reviews, movie reviews, TV show breakdowns, but my favorite has to be the recasting of a nostalgic movie, TV show, or comic series using modern actors. It's a great listen. Thank you, Smoofweza. That's really nice. <laughs> really appreciate. It. And you know what? I, I we're both we're both fans of our castings because they're kind of kind of unique. Not mm-hmm. not a lot of other podcasts do that. Um, but we're so glad that you guys like the variety that we're giving you. Yeah, I think that's what keeps us sane, honestly. Yeah, exactly. If we were doing the exact same thing every week, it would be rough. But we do get to mix it up, and um, not all of them become like bigger episodes. Some can be slightly smaller, but actually, mo- most of our stuff has gotten big and bigger. <laughs> All of them is like, damn. We're huge. Adam, we're huge. Yeah, well, that's just because of our weight problems, John. <laughs> yeah, I need to stop eating. Yeah. This quarantine is not doing good things for my waistline. No. <laughs> uh, okay, let's um excitedly get into <laughs> Lean on Me uh, from that. Back to school. Back, Back. to school. All right, Lean on Me, 1989. It was directed by John G. Avildsen, who also directed Rocky, The Karate Kids Part 1, 2, and 3. Also, unfortunately, directed Rocky 5, which is a trash movie. Um, and then another one that also kind of brought back Morgan Freeman, The Power of One. Do you remember that oh, movie? Oh, yeah. That's a good movie. Yeah. 
It's good. It's a powerful movie. Yes, it um, is. It's de- it's definitely one that uh, deals with like uh, apart- apartheid racism and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's definitely. I think is one that's probably on our list, like way down in the future. But not many people. I don't think many people know the power of one, and they should. So probably not. Really, that's why we yeah. got to bring it back to them. Damn straight. Uh, music was done by Bill Conti. We talked about Bill Conti from Rookie of the Year, but most people know him from basically doing all the music for the Rocky franchise mm-hmm. and the Karate Kids 1, 2, and 3. So he worked with uh, uh, John G. Avildsen on multiple projects. The cinematography is done by Victor Hammer, and I wanted to call that out because the name Victor Hammer is an awesome <laughs> name, and it should be uh, definitely used as like a comic book character somewhere. Um, but this was actually his first credit. He oh. did some other movies. I wouldn't say anything that was like, super known for its cinematography but movies that uh we will talk about actually one that we have already but uh he's did surf ninjas billy madison major league two heavyweights which is one we talked about Mm -hmm. and uh for the most like recent last decade he's been doing 260 episodes of ncis los angeles oh wow so all over that and you know how much i hate those shows (laughs) uh mainly because they like overuse uh, dolly moves and some zooms and some other stuff that just looks terrible to me and you're and and other people are just like oh no it's artistic it looks cool it's dramatic and i'm like this is a piece of shit this makes no goddamn sense why are they doing this big fucking dolly uh or this unnecessary rack focus that just makes no goddamn sense and they do it all the time <laughs> so i'm gonna blame you Cause, mr because it works Hammer. it's well and because yeah, they have to produce those shows a lot faster than you would a normal movie so you gotta go they go with what they know yeah fair enough all right. Um, and the cast of this film, Principal Joe Clark, is done by Morgan Freeman, the amazing. We've talked about him in Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. He's done absolutely amazing stuff. Uh, Miss Levias was played by Beverly Todd. She was on the bucket list. She had a small role in Crash. Uh, she was in a couple movies with Sidney Portier, including uh, They Call Me Mr. Tibbs mm. and a couple other ones. Dr. Napier was done by the great Robert Guillaume. John and I are definite fans of him he is a god what an awesome actor yeah uh, we both met him back uh, on from watching reruns i think on comedy central of the show soap yeah and then uh and then his, soap only had like 50 episodes and then he had his own spinoff called benson and that one has like 150 episodes i forgot how big and long benson was yeah i did too it's a show i mm-hmm. just i always just associated him with soap and sometimes i forgot that benson yeah. was a thing and and then you kind of come to find out that benson was huge yeah uh, he was also on Sports Night. Did you ever watch that? I did not. Oh, it's really good. Really good show. Uh, it had like a weird use of laugh track, but besides that, it was it was a really well done. Uh, written by Aaron Sorkin, so you know mm. it's got good writing there. Yeah. The guy who does West Wing and Social Network and a bunch of stuff. Um, but he plays uh, kind of what, like the boss in that show. Okay. Um, and, and a lot of people our age and a little younger would best know Robert Guillaume as the voice of Rafiki yeah. on The Lion King, which he does such a good job <laughs> as Rafiki. Yeah. Mayor Botman was done was played by Alan North, who he was on the movie Glory, on the movie Highlander. He was also in the movie The Jerky Boys movie. <laughs> you, I completely forgot that The Jerky Boys had a movie. Yeah. I never saw it. I was never big into the Jerky Boys. No, I mean, they were like that, you know, you would get tapes or CDs yeah. of them doing like their prank calls. Right. And it just became big enough that, that Hollywood was like, yeah, fuck it. Let's make a movie of that. <laughs> <I'm> like, wow. <laughs> no, I did, definitely didn't see that either. No. But I just I just shocked that that's the kind of thing that was big enough in pop culture to make a movie. <laughs> and the last person I'm going to mention, uh, Leona Barrett, 
was played by Lynn Thigpen, uh, who unfortunately passed away back in 2003. Yeah. Um, I would have loved to see her in a lot more stuff, but she, you know, she's been in a good bit of stuff. She was uh, the DJ in the movie The Warriors. Uh, she was uh, a voice, or she she played. She had a voice in The Big Blue House, and then we'll see her again. Um, in my opinion, her the epitome of her roles. Like yeah. that, that's what what I remember her from is uh, Where in the World Is Carmen San Diego. Yeah. Before we dive into the actual breakdown of the film, I, I want to remember, like you know, how we came to this movie. For me, I remember watching this movie with our dad. I feel like he introduced it. I introduced agree. it to us. Yeah. Yeah, that was the same memory I had. Yeah, like exactly. Like if it was either you know on a on an HBO thing, and maybe he recorded it, and we had like a you know bootleg VHS of it or something um, at his place, or if it was on TV or whatnot. But I just yeah. I kind of have a distinct memory of basically the three of us watching it with him, and him basically being like, "Sit down, shut up, we're gonna watch this movie," and we did, and we all love it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. So we start off with "Lean on Me," and we start off with a crawl, and it says. The following is based upon a true story. Once considered among the finest schools in America, Eastside High of Patterson, New Jersey, declined over the years until an official report called it a terrible cauldron of violence. The battle of one man, Joe Clark, to save Eastside High School and restore its former pride is the subject of our story. It began about 20 years ago. And then... We are in 1967 at Eastside, and we meet Joe Clark as a teacher. He's doing like this whole fun game, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all this, you know, as his kind of teaching lesson. And it really just kind of shows off that he's a non-conventional but awesome and super interactive teacher. Yeah. Got to appreciate that. Uh, we meet Frank Napier, played by Robert Guillaume. Um, he comes in talking about this uh, this union uh, that they kind of got started as happening without them. They're having a meeting, and Clark is pissed. Apparently... He's getting transferred. He, he's apparently, you know, to put it in other words, kind of a, a troublemaker, if you will, or yeah. people see him as Instigator. a troublemaker. Instigator, yeah. And not that it's a bad thing, but, no. you know, that's that's his character. And so he got transferred so the rest of them could, I guess, be better off. And he walks off and where the camera is left in this hall. And I love this super long cross dissolve yeah. uh, from 1967 to 20 years later. And we see that that same hall is now super graffiti everywhere. It's super busted up and it, it is not looking good. Yeah. And then we get a, the great song, Welcome to the Jungle, plays. <laughs> It's very fitting while we're just seeing all this kind of montage of drugs and fighting uh, school, like the, the, the teachers are getting their head bashed in and hospitalized. This one, this one girl gets her clothes ripped off by these others. You know, there's, there's just crazy shit happening right now. Yeah. Um, I do want to mention those are some wide ass hallways. I don't remember my high school having that. (laughs) Like when I saw that shot, I was just like, damn, that's a lot of space. Like, I don't remember that much space in my high school. (laughs) Uh, I don't either. Um, but I mean, that's, that could be how older schools in the Northeast were made. Yeah. So True. I don't know if, if that, if, if these scenes were done on location or if they were set, cause if they were set, they'd probably made them as wide as they needed Yeah. for whatever they were shooting. Yeah. And I mean, it looked like it was a school. Yeah. I, I, it didn't, it didn't get the set feel to me. Yeah. So you're right. Maybe, maybe just at that time, America had more space to it and. New England was just like, fuck it, let's make big, wide, wide lane schools for, you know, all the luxury. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, we meet the mayor, and he's basically being told how bad the schools are, um, and 75% of students need to pass basic skills, or the state will take over. 
And so Napier, who we met earlier, he's now the superintendent of schools, which I don't know. I, <laughs> I found this kind of interesting and I don't know how New, New Jersey works, so I can't comment. But I, I do know how at least the, the uh, county that I work in is the mayor really has very little if anything, yeah. to do with the school system. Yeah. The school system is run by the county and then also kind of the state in general. Um, it's its own separate thing. School systems have nothing to do with local city government. Yes. And I think, if, if I remember correctly, I remember thinking this. I think he says something like he appointed him mm-hmm. superintendent, and that's not how that works. The superintendent no. is appointed by the school board, and the members of exactly. the school board are voted on by the taxpayers. Yes, which is another thing that bothers <laughs> me because um, much later, Miss Barrett gets, quote-unquote, like appointed to the school board yes. by the mayor. And it's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. This is a voted position. This yeah. that is a, it's a democracy to get your school board, and then they hire the superintendent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if, if things were just that weird and messed up in New Jersey, but that, yeah, yeah. that's not uh, okay. that's not typically how it's done. <laughs> okay, well, that's, that's, that's I'm glad to see that at least Vegas and Georgia, where we're at, respectively, have about the same thing. So I'd imagine New Jersey is about the same. But, yeah. you know, John Q, regular movie viewer, isn't going to know shit. And so they're, <laughs> they're, just, they're just throwing it out there. Yeah. Anyway, Napier recommends Joe Clark to help whip East Side High, you know, back into shape. The mayor's like, hell no, not that guy. <laughs> so we cut to meet Joe Clark as the principal of this elementary school. And, you know, there's some bickering and yelling at each other i love the dynamic of robert guillaume and uh morgan freeman in this yeah. movie it's it's sort of it's professional and casual at the same time yeah like they they're they're talking professional but they can be open with each other and so they're you know mm-hmm. would if morgan freeman's mad about something he he, <laughs> he feels free to express it he's he's mad about a lot of things in this movie john <laughs> he, expre- he expresses it a lot but and apparently he spent some time with the real Joe Clark to kind of get his mannerisms down. Oh, okay, very cool. Um, all right, so Napier eventually convinces uh, Mr. Clark, and so then we cut to Clark walking into Eastside High, and it's just he's in 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 awe at how awful things are. Um, and there's a meeting of faculty and staff. Uh, we also see Tony Todd standing right yeah. behind him. Yeah. He's going to be the uh, the new dean of security. And Tony Todd, we know as the Candyman and other just awesome stuff. He's been in a bunch of things. Yeah, incredible voice actor. Yes, absolutely. Um, Mike like, Starr was there too. I don't know if you noticed that. He's a very, he's a very prominent character actor. He, um, oh, is he is he the guy who was in um, uh, who gets placed as the new football coach? No, he's oh, okay. uh, I. Oh no, maybe he is. That maybe that is him. I, I that scene I kind of forgot about who I think was he, he the guy was in the, Dumb and Dumber who who yes. ate the rat poison. Okay, then yeah. that is the guy who gets appointed. Yeah. Um, Daryl gets kind of Mr. Daryl gets brought down, mm-hmm. and then he gets appointed president. But I, I saw him. I was like, you look like a much skinnier version of that guy from Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> it is because <laughs> okay. it is. <laughs> but uh, Joe Clark sets shit straight with these teachers, and he lets them all know that this is his school now, and he's in charge. Which is kind of interesting. I really wanted to see how he ran his uh, elementary school. Right. <laughs> like, what? how did he do it differently? Or did he do it differently? Or was it the exact same? And it's just like, holy Christ. <laughs> uh, so. I, I, having, having worked at both a high school and a elementary school, the dynamics of the school are different. Mm-hmm. Okay. However... I don't know. I was what I was when I worked at the high school. It was actually much more laid back, 
and yeah. much less invasive than it was when I worked at the elementary school. And that's just because it's the nature of the beast. You're, there's less people working there. Everything's more centralized. You're in one building. Everything's sort of, you know, everybody sees everybody else. So it's it's slight, mm-hmm. you know, not only is it not only is it, it different that way, it's just it's different in in this dynamic, I guess. And you shouldn't also have to worry about like, you know, the high school students shitting and pissing themselves all the time, like probably the elementary school students and you know, they just need more care. And so there is more oversight. Yeah. I will say this though. I had I had to worry much more about students fighting at elementary school than I uh. ever did at high school. Yeah. Now that granted, I taught band in high school, so the, like the ninety percent of the students I saw were kids who wanted to be in my room, mm-hmm. and so you know didn't really have that big of an issue with. So yeah. But uh, did did any of your principals gather all the names of the terrible, the worst people in school, and then have an assembly and bring them all up on stage and expel them in one massive <laughs> expulsion? Uh, no, and that is actually something you could not do today. In fact. They told us a couple of years ago, our state government passed a law that actually made it almost impossible to expel a student. Yeah, the the entire um, strategy of Joe Clark do, would not fly today no. and kind of in this no child left behind mentality that is in schools um, where I guess so, so here. So let's just kind of talk about that. So he. He just expels the worst of the worst. Yeah. And his thought process is basically the kids who are trying to be here are being brought down by these bad kids. Yeah. And so we're just going to kick them out because they wouldn't graduate anyway and basically fuck them, put them to the streets. Um, and we're going to put and invest and be, you know, harsh and clean up and do better for these other kids. That has some ethical problems with it mm-hmm. because as a teacher, part of your job is to raise up some of those bad kids you know it's like it's not just say fuck them and and say you're off life on the streets now it is hey the you know human life has the ability to change it, it it's the whole idea of you know the penal system of rejuven of, of trying to um to rehabilitate um you know the, the people now granted our penal system is way fucked up from that but do you have being a teacher do you have any ethical problems with joe clark's methods here yes and no okay mostly yes <laughs> uh, mostly yes in that you know the the object should be to try to um to you know rehabilitate or educate or or find some way to reach the 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 child mm-hmm. um i also have seen how education works in the political system and how principals do sometimes, and this is not to say that it is right or wrong. I'm sorry. I'm trying to say that this is how the system is, which inherently part of me wants to go off on a rant and part of me wants to not say anything. Do it. Do it, John. <laughs> but Do the rant. <laughs> um, but principals are in the unfortunate position of having to sometimes look at their school as a business mm. um, because of how schools get funded. And the better you do the more funding you get and the more things you can do and that sometimes they will and this probably has happened more recently than people care to admit students have been run out or um principals have been able to get uh, school district lines redrawn Mm -hmm. so they can only get i mean it's just it's very much like gerrymandering yeah you just you so you can get certain um 
you know, social economic yeah. students. Well, a lot of that funding comes from like income or not income tax, but from um, your, your housing taxes and the property taxes, at least in Georgia. And so like right. when when you have nothing but low income housing in your district, you don't get as many funds as if you would probably gerrymander it. And so you can no, I, I, let's make sure we get like one of these, you know, high yeah, income nice houses. Yeah. Yeah. And so it is it is tough because then you can afford some more stuff to hopefully build it up. Otherwise you're kind of just stuck in a rut. Yeah. But each state is different because actually uh, in my state, there is no state income tax uh-huh. um, and all of our, most of our funding came from um, hospitality tax. Oh, oh okay. For the from like, uh, for casinos? The, for, the, for the casinos and, yeah. and the hotels and stuff like that. Nice. So, and then whatever the, you know, whatever the, the government the state and the federal government would give us. Mm-hmm. And in those cases, most time, the better you do, uh, the more, you know, the higher uh, rated school you are, the more money you're going to get, which means that they will sometimes push out the kids who are not, who are bring, basically bringing them down. Yeah. Okay. And it's a, it's a, it's an unfair and unfortunate system that needs to be corrected. And I wish I had the brains to, suggest a you know a way how but that's that kind of stuff is way above my pay grade so back to back to lean on me <laughs> you know he gives this uh joe clark gives this impassioned speech to the remaining students um really about their test goal and stuff like that and i do like there's this one student uh kenesha who becomes you know one of our main students that we kind of ch- keep checking in with throughout the film um i love her little line mr clark don't play at the at the end it's <laughs> like Hell I like yes. how she was. She was like she was kind of rooting him on, and like her friends were like, "Quiet!" Exactly. Yeah. Oh, stop it. Exactly. Oh, did but, you know that there was actually two famous actors in that scene? Oh, and the, with uh, with all the people? Yeah, who were extras. Oh, okay. well, I shouldn't say famous. They're well, they're well known actors. Uh huh. Um, one of them in the in the audience was a, a young man by the name of Tay Diggs. Oh wow, very cool. I didn't I did not notice him. Um, and then on the stage, as one of the kids who got kicked out, was uh, a guy named Michael Imperioli, who was best known for being on The Sopranos. Okay. You re- as soon as you see his picture, you, you recognize him. Okay. Nice. Yeah, I did notice. I noticed on IMDb there was uh, playing an extra was Ahmed Best, and I was I was trying to see if I could find him in the movie, but uh, I couldn't find him. Do you know where he's at? No, I don't know where he's at. Okay, for everybody else, I was hoping he might have been one of the people that was kicked out of school because Ahmed <laughs> Best is best known as playing Jar Jar Binks, and so I was like, God, it would have been awesome if Jar Jar got kicked out of fucking school. <laughs> Fuck that. Fuck Jar Jar. I don't blame Ahmed Best. I, I yeah, blame. I was just say that's not really his fault. No, that's the director. Uh, and the writer. writer, yeah, and producer. Fuck you, George Lucas. Uh, okay. <laughs> then we get a PTA meeting, and we meet Leona Barrett, played by Lynn Thigpen. She is pissed at Joe Clark. Apparently, one of her kids, or two of her kids, or whatever, were on the stage, and they got kicked out. Mm-hmm. Is what I kind of heard. Um, but you know, she's she's all pissed, and she's ready to you know basically battle him. But he does this whole kind of like preaching at them. He's really trying to get the rest of the people on his side and um, that his plan and, and uh, about, you know, basically trying to, you know, he's going to do what he has to do. And it's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. So, but now we've set up our antagonist, uh, Leona Barrett. The next morning, uh, a kid who was tossed out asked to be brought back in. His name is Thomas Sams and Joe Clark takes him to the roof and basically says, yeah, just commit suicide, buddy. <laughs> I mean, he gives him this very intense speech like, hey, if you're doing crack and you're doing all this other stupid shit, just jump. It's not worth it. It's basically killing your brain cells anyway, so fucking jump. Just go. And he's like, obviously, 
crying and and he doesn't want to do it and he's you know i guess more afraid of his mom and he wants to i guess prove to her but joe clark promises sam's that he, you know or makes sam's promise to him that he's going to change and so he does let him back in now i would say you know just just sam's doing that that first act of hey i want to be back in i i think i can be a good guy you know should have started joe clark to be like all right you're worth bring it back in here because you know you're mm-hmm. you're trying but he he goes to the next level on on a lot of things <laughs> uh at lunch we see joe clark laying down the law but also he is a i don't know, open-minded and a helpful person as this one female wants to be on auto shop and not uh home ec and shit mm-hmm. like that and he's like all right sweet let's let's change you over there that totally makes more sense he also sees Sam's stealing food from, I think it was Kanisha, actually. Uh, and he ba- he embarrasses him in front of everybody. I was like, holy shit. I yeah. don't think teachers and principals, they would get shit canned, fired, destroyed if they were embarrassing students as much as this in front of everybody else. They would definitely get written up. Yeah. At the, so, at the minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has Sam's and his other friends sing the school song, which they can't. Um, and he yells about it, and he's all pissed, and, you know, also he tells no one to move during the singing, and Mr. Darnell tr- picks up a piece of trash, and Joe Clark berates him for that. Yeah. I think that was a bit much. I agree. All he did was pick up some trash. He barely moved. Yeah, the kids laughed and had some other movements, and, you know, I don't know. He just... I would not want to work for Joe Clark because he has such an iron fist that, you know, it's his way, his way or literally the highway. Get the fuck out. Yeah, uh, I believe in that case. I bet what you probably would have had, at least nowadays, is a lot of teacher, probably a small handful of teachers who probably would have quit outright, mm-hmm. especially ones who were like close to retirement. They would have just been like, no, I'm out. They'll, yeah. they'll just hit the retirement whenever they want and they leave. And then the rest of them would be gone at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, and I've seen it. I've seen principals who don't know how to work with their teachers and the teachers have the rights to leave it's like a it's kind of like a free agency in a, mm. in a sports team mm-hmm. you go to the end of your contract and uh in most cases nowadays they only ever do one year contracts so uh, okay you can just go out well maybe maybe by the end of this one hour and 48 minutes john he can turn around uh his favorable <laughs> thoughts with, the, with these teachers what do you think i don't know that's <sighs> gonna be a tough call <laughs> gonna be a tough call um but yeah so joe clark says all right everybody will need to learn the school song something that'll come back up later uh, he also enters the course teacher's room and she does not give a shit about him and stands up to him uh, and basically doesn't show him the attention and respect that he feels he deserves so she gets fired right then and there all right i have a few thoughts on this okay all right as a music teacher myself the fact that he had a group that was going to play on Lincoln Center and sounded honestly as good as they did should have been a point of pride for him. Mm. Instead of him worried about the teacher not following his order directly. Yeah. Um, two, I don't think he really had the power to directly fire her really? like oh, he did. Princi- do principals not have that kind of power? Not not just outright. You can't. They can't just outright be like you're fired. Um, there's a whole process they have to go through. Um, the teacher gets now. This this is go through my experience in my state. Mm-hmm. Um, the teacher gets union representation, even if the teacher is not a member of the union. 
Uh-huh. They they get appointed a, a, a union um, member or a representative, and like there's a there's a whole list of of things that have to go through for to fire for something like that, just because like you don't like the person. Yeah, for she yeah. did nothing to warrant an immediate firing. She did nothing illegal. Mm-hmm. You know, all she did was talk back to him. That never would have worked. Also. Later on, when he suspends Mr. Darnell, yeah, I was gonna he say says this. you can't do that, and yeah. it's like, well, he just fired the other one, so now you're being inconsistent. I I thought the exact same thing because uh, Miss Levias says you don't have the power, and I'm like, wait a minute, I just saw him fucking throw out the music <laughs> teacher. What? He can't suspend a dude? Like, okay, all right, cool. So then, yeah, they did have some inconsistent writing. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> all right. Also, as a music teacher, like, really, that's the hill you're gonna die on? <laughs> yeah. You're going to fire the music teacher in that school and in, in schools like that. Those extracurricular classes are often the only things that keep the kids coming back to school. Mm-hmm. I saw it a lot in the in uh, the students that um, that I taught in high school. I worked in an area that was kind of like half middle class, half impoverished. Mm-hmm. So I saw a little bit of both. And those kids who couldn't afford anything those those extra experiences that you know they didn't get to go like on ski trips with their friends and stuff like that because mm-hmm. they couldn't afford that kind of thing coming to school and getting to do you know sports and bands and arts and all those extra things are literally what kept them back and if any of those things were ever taken away from them the kids would stop caring they would stop showing up they'd just be like why am i doing this when i can just go ahead and get a job right now and it, you know it's it's unfortunate that the priorities of in most cases have been to like these test scores. And this really hits me because I saw all of that from the inside of we have to get these test scores up, blah, 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 because that's what the state thinks is important. Mm-hmm. And while in some ways I see the point of it, I don't agree with it. There's also a lot of people who think that like, you know, whenever I hate talking to someone who's like, why did I have to take algebra in high school? I never had to use that stuff. Blah, 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 blah. Well, one, you probably did. Mm-hmm. Because I've found myself having to use that stuff all the time in all kinds of weird spots. Um, when I was d- in culinary school and having to write recipes for like in mass, mm-hmm. um, you'd have to do conversions. Yeah. And you, the only way to do that was through algebra. I mean, literally, yeah. I, would, I would write a formula for how to convert these recipes. I'm like, this is not a job that requires a college degree. Yeah. It doesn't even really require a high school degree. But here I am using this stuff that, you know, people say was unnecessary. Also, the whole point of that was to have a citizenship of well-rounded human beings. Mm-hmm. You know, not just people who specialized in one thing and not be able to you know discuss minimal things and other things like that so sorry i just went on that whole yes yeah, rant about that but <laughs> we're gonna blow I, up the school not blow up you, the school listen system. you you brought up education yeah and i, I did. strong feelings in it yeah and we're gonna uh, change the system john one yeah. podcast at a time <laughs> <sighs> if only if only uh all right so it is the day of the practice test of this big test as you mentioned which was two weeks from his start, as we kind of found out. Um, and we get the song, I Ain't Making It. Never made first period for one year straight. Forget a diploma, it's education I hate. I feel like grabbing my books and just draping it. Because the way I feel, I ain't making it. Making it. Basically just showing these kids and, you know, they're not doing Even we see one of them answering a 
terribly wrong answer. Uh, and Joe Clark kind of standing over shoulder like, what the fuck? <laughs> Man, you dumb. That's basically what you could see on his face. So um, on a later day, we see some guy is getting, one of the students is getting beat up by one of the other former students uh, who got kicked out. And Clark kind of comes in and kicks his ass. Yeah. <laughs> Just kind of. Kind of funny. Um, really, the whole thing was saved by Sam's. Yeah, who uh, pushes the table in front of the door and stops the kid. True, because he was going to run out, and Sam's. Yeah, exactly. Sam's kind of, you know, exactly kept him in, and so that way Joe Clark could dodge the uh, the switchblade and then give him an uppercut. Yeah. <laughs> so um, then he decides that there are going to be chains put on the school so other bad people can't get in. Uh, basically, it's because you know some one of his friends or something opened the door and let him in and that's part of the problem these people are still coming in here selling drugs and doing bad shit so he's like fuck this we're gonna chain it we're gonna chain the doors which apparently is something that the real joe clark did okay wow which to me definitely does scream illegal yes (laughs) especially especially with the fire code and stuff like that which is i mean that all comes back you know later which we'll talk about so yeah um at his office, he notices uh, Kanisha, you know, one of those featured students that we talked about earlier, um, played by uh, Karen Molina White. She was in uh, Malcolm and Eddie, which was uh, a oh, show okay. in, the, I think, the late 90s. Uh, she also is in a couple episodes of The Fresh Prince. She was the character who married Jazz. She's kind of kind of oh. crazy, if I remember. But uh, honestly, I think she did a great job. Yeah. Her and the actor who played Sam's, that was his first credit. This was her second credit ever. And mm-hmm. I think they did a fantastic job, yeah. um, you know, as as young actors. Yeah, I agree. But apparently she was kicked out of her home um, because her mom doesn't want her anymore. We then get a, a wonderful song called All the Way Love by uh, Sita Garrett. Because it never made a difference. I never paid attention to the sound. There was never no feeling, never not needing that child, even though I could always be there. And And we see Clark and Miss Levias go with Kanisha to her place and kind of talk with her mother um, to try and help, you know, rectify the situation. Yeah. So that that kind of works, and uh, Clark then goes and talks with uh, Frank Napier, and we see Lynn Th- uh, we see Lynn Thigpen's character is there, Miss Barrett, and it's just much ado about the chains on the doors and shit like that. So she wants him fired. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she's not she's not letting up for someone who she doesn't even have a kid in that school anymore. <laughs> she's she, addictive. She is uh, invested. Yeah. So invested in kicking his ass out. She's like, you kick out my kids, I'm going to kick you out. Uh, We also see Napier and Clark kind of like step aside and they're kind of having a talk on their own. And they, again, have at it. Like they can go at each other on very equal terms. This is probably one of my favorite scenes in the entire film because you get, I mean, it's a a lot of yelling at each other. And good acting doesn't equal just yelling. Right. But Morgan Freeman is a fantastic yeller in this episode. And Robert Guillaume brings his up in a way that just matches Joe and honestly even kind of die. And he kind of even puts him in his place. Oh yeah. You know, this is where he says, you're so hot on discipline that God damn it. Start by accepting mine. Cause contrary to popular opinion, I'm the head in charge. Yeah. He really just, you know, it's like, that is nice to see because I, you know, you respect Frank, you know, he, he's, he's probably good at what he does to become a superintendent, but like he's the boss. 
He's the fucking yeah. superintendent. Clark, you are not in charge of everything. Right. And in the end of that scene, I love because it's it's really it's you know, it's it is an argument. It's a heated argument between two people who clearly love each other as friends and mm-hmm. like family. Because like family, you ye- you can yell at each other and at the end of the day it's come on, let's get something to eat. Yeah, exactly. It immediately diffuses all of that tension that we just had to be like yeah, all right. They are buddies, and they are both doing this because they are they're heated and they care. Yeah. So, but it's yeah. very cool. If neither of them cared, they wouldn't do. They wouldn't be there. Yep. Their dynamic is just one of my favorites um, in the movie. So, uh, at the the next day, the fire chief is trying to get in, but Clark and the teachers won't allow it. We do see Mr. Darnell is back. That he got the, that uh, you know someone pushed him to be reinstated, which is nice. I like him. That actor. I hadn't really seen him in much other stuff, but he has a good bit of credits. Um, but I liked him as Mr. Darnell. He was good. Yeah, you know, he was good. If if we were going to be casting this, he would be one of the characters I'd want to recast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> we could, yeah, we could have done multiple people. Yeah, we just got to think next time. Be like, yeah, we do. The kids can just be, you know, we can think of the kids as, yeah, they'll just cast some no names, no big deal. They'll do fine. Right. But we, as the major, we can find those those bigger roles. We, you know, because now we are missing out on a casting a Miss Levias, a casting a Miss Barrett. Uh, a um, Napier, a mayor, uh, yeah. Joe, and uh, and Mr. Darnell. But that's all right. We can save it for another time. Maybe, maybe you know, we can come back to some of these missed castings in our... That, sound, uh, that sounds like exclusives. we can do like a whole special episode of just missed castings. Oh, well, that's, well, that's a lot. Castings, our castings can <laughs> not, take Not all while. at once. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not yeah, all yeah, at true. once. But we could we could do like three missed castings or something and yeah, do that. Yeah, like or, that. Put them, put them as our exclusive Patreon content. Maybe people Ooh. will fork up some money for it. I don't know. Hey. Hey. Hey-o. Um, I just saw that that uh, that actor uh, played, um, was in Aquaman, played oh, yes. the Manta's yes. father. Yeah, he played, yeah, it's a small role in Aquaman, but he yeah. played, uh, yeah, Manta's, because, um, yeah, they're, 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 they got the father who died early on in that, yeah. that piss that made Manta really his whole his whole motivation for hating yeah. Aquaman. Yeah. I think I think anytime no matter what size of the part is, if you're on a billion dollar making movie, that's a point of pride. <laughs> yeah. Uh agreed. One hundred percent. Uh we then see that smarmy student that got kicked out that got beat up by the um other guy who kind of came in at one time. I can't remember his name, but he's like, you know, he's kinda kinda greasy, kinda kinda yeah. smarmy. He's got he wears a suit and he's he got his like gold chains and stuff. And you can Kid tell Ray, probably, that's the character's name. Kid, Kid Ray. Kid Ray. That's right. Oh that's right, because Kanisha comes in, somebody's beating up Kid Ray. <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> so uh but he drops out, you know, and That's you actually the, the actor's only credit is this movie. Oh he did he I would feel he would probably get typecast, but he did a good right. job. <laughs> yeah. Now granted he looked like he was thirty five playing a high school student. <laughs> right. So, but, uh, Joe Clark, you know, is disappointed. You can see the disappointment, you know, as he's trying and he's trying to make the school better and he still sees, you know, the student drop out on him. So it's a shame. Uh, we then see Sam's and his friends in the hall and Clark, Joe Clark stops them and he kind of, you know, stops them in the bathroom and he tells them they have to sing the school song. By the side we'll stay and always praise the name. Praise the name, praise the name. To ever, yeah. Lend a heart, sing hands to help increase the fame. 
And it is a wonderful acapella rendition that they're doing that they have. Uh, apparently, it's not the traditional version. They've changed it up. And Clark, oh, man, he's pissed. <laughs> he is pissed. He drags them to Miss Powers' room. Powers was the assistant uh, music mm-hmm. teacher, and now she has taken over. And he tells her that he fucking loves it, and he wants everybody to have this new, and she is re- this new version, and she has rewritten the school's alma mater. And it's like, oh, all oh, the old bait and switch, Joe. You got me, Joe. <laughs> I thought he was going to fire Miss Powers. Whew. But so, it is. It's, yeah, it's a good rendition. Yeah. So I just was doing a little digging kind of while you were talking. All of the high school scenes were shot at Eastside High. Oh, like the real Eastside High. The Eastside High. Oh, that's great. That's really cool. So, right. so they yeah, got some big those, ass halls. Those halls are. Yeah. You know, it's funny. After you said that, um, the school, uh, like, you know, most school districts, what they'll do is um, they'll, when they build new schools, especially in a big district like mine, or the one I guess I used to work in, um, mm-hmm. which is like the fifth largest one in the nation, oh, wow. is like when they find a school design, they do that for every single school. So every school, like, looks the same as far as, uh, as the actual, like, layout and stuff like that. Sometimes it'll get flipped. You know, mm-hmm. or something like that, but it's generally the same. Uh, the newer versions that they're doing are about that big, but twice as high because they're they're stacked on top of each other. But the uh-huh. outside hallways are enormous. Okay. Wow. So yes, there are building schools like that. <laughs> Sorry to yeah. throw back to something that happened like half an hour ago. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I think I think that totally makes sense to just have like a you know copy paste you know uh oh it does because then, then you know how much you're paying every time yeah. you build the school yeah true all right uh but right now joe clark is feeling good you know he had that that song but then he gets the test scores from that practice test 33 fucking percent which was Damn. worse than the year before worse than, yeah which was i think 35 percent and right. so now there it's worse a third of the students can't even or are the only ones who can read two-thirds can't read really yeah uh, or you know do proper uh, but so now he's Back to being pissed, just like that. So he holds this faculty meeting, and again, he's just being harsh. He's really, he's really laying it into them that it's their fault that they need to fucking step up, um, really try to push them to get more involved. Uh, just basically in his dramatic way, really trying to to set them off to 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 help these kids. Mm-hmm. But again, he's doing it very angrily. And so if I was in that group, I don't know if I would. <laughs> he, I don't know if that's the coach I would want to follow. Right. <laughs> you no. Know? So. Um, then we get a, a little lighthearted montage of the school prepping for the test. You know, they're all trying to they're trying to work on it. They're trying to get better. And the song is uh, Everybody is Somebody. If a man is born in luxury, it proves to me through history, he is somebody. If a man is born in poverty, privation and misery, he is nobody. Everybody is somebody. And I always like this little montage. It's a little fun. You know, you see the, the, the students and the teachers getting more involved and things like that, them having a mentor program, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a just, here's a, you know, a positive, we're getting a, a positive aspect. And, you know, we see some of those other fun things and those positive things going on where he's messing with a student who is doing an impression of him at the gym class and he's jumping rope and he's just kind of like, woo, hey, look at me. I'm <laughs> work hard, play hard. I can be angry, but you know what? I'm a fun guy too. <laughs> so, but he is. I mean, that's how he is inspiring his students. Yeah. 
We see Mrs. Barrett talking to the mayor and Napier and the fire chief are there too. And Barrett basically tells the mayor, you know, she'll scratch his, her, his back. If he scratches hers, basically she put, put him, put her on the school board, as we said, is not how it goes, but do that. And then she will has a whole constituency group of community members who would vote with or against her, depending on how this goes. Cause she wants Joe Clark fired. Um, and so he's up for re-election coming soon. So he's like, all right, fine. I, I need your votes. And so he gets her onto the school board somehow, even though the mayors have nothing to do with the school board, as we already <laughs> mentioned. Yeah. So as the fire chief and the mayor are talking in the bathroom, um, the school lawyer kind of has his feet up and he's like listening in and he hears, uh, you know, what they're doing is they're, they want to catch the school with the chains on the doors so they can fire Joe yeah. Clark. I want to mention at the beginning, so that guy is actually played by a character actor named Ethan Phillips, um, mm-hmm. who's well-known character actor, most famous for playing the character Neelix on Star Trek Voyager. So all, oh. all my Trekkie fans out there are going to know who he is. Hold on. Th- he's like the, al- the alien with the dots on his head. Is that right? Uh, no. He is an alien. He kind of plays what? like the ship's cook. Sort oh, of. okay. Let me see if I can... Yes. Well, I said dots on my head, but this is the look. This was who I was thinking of. Not dots on okay. his head, but he has like discoloration on his head. Hey, yeah. Actually, there are, there are dots on his head. Yeah. I was right. There, there are a lot of dots on a lot of aliens in Star Trek. So. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. This this was who I was thinking of, though. So, okay. okay. Yeah, I, I definitely didn't recognize him from that because he's got a lot of prosthetics right. on in Star Trek. But uh, yeah, he was, he was a character actor I did recognize. Uh, I do want to say there are some weird... There are some weird comments that he makes every now and then that don't fly yeah. in 2020. Yeah. The chains one more than anything else. Um, <laughs> yes, that was, I heard that. I was like, whoa. Exactly. That was. Any, uh, no, any lawyer would know better not to mention that kind of fucking thing. Yeah. So, uh, but that's really all. And I, he's trying to be funny, which is worse. Exactly. Exactly. So, all right. Uh, Joe Clark tells the staff that the mayor is kind of out to get them, but he's setting up a plan. You know, but he's all stressed right now, which ultimately is distance, distancing Miss Levias and these teachers from him right now because he's just he's he's getting angrier and worse and, and that kind of thing. And she stands up to him. Mm-hmm. And I really do appreciate her kind of laying down the law on him and calling him out for being an ass- asshole and definitely not showing her or the other teachers any of the respect because they're trying and they care. And they would have left him a long time ago if it wasn't for the fact that they care for these kids. Mm hmm. So my only issue with that entire scene was I could tell it was ADR. The voice and her mouth just didn't quite didn't quite match up to know like that was that was it was definitely not recorded on set or if it was they had her re-record it. Yeah. And the ADR is usually off enough that I can notice and I and I definitely did. So that kind of bothered me. Yeah, I've always I always found the concept of ADR fascinating. Uh, I remember hearing Harrison Ford talk about having to ADR his lines from Star Wars: A New Hope, mm. and how when he said them on set, he had said them so fast that when he did ADR, he it took him forever to be able to catch up with himself. Uh, yeah. They he they played it back and he was like he's like why are you playing it faster he goes no that's literally how fast you said it <laughs> Damn. and so he was like he couldn't get it at first he had to he had to re- yeah. work back up to it which is probably why it needed ADR because it was too <laughs> mumbly fasty but yeah yeah which ADR is after dialogue recording for anybody who may not know that and it's done 
a lot of times when you have to re-record lines, um, you know, maybe they weren't enunciated properly, or maybe you were filming outside of a waterfall or some other noisy place and you just couldn't literally get good sound. And so you do it with the assumption that you'll catch it in ADR afterwards. Yeah. So, but they take that person. And so literally an actor has to kind of, they watch themselves on the screen doing those lines and they try to have to time it up as they're saying it in a sound booth. And it's, it's very rarely perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, all right. So at an assembly, it's the big day of the test. You know, he gives this speech to motivate all the kids and he actually gives like a little thank you to Miss Levias and kind of showing his appreciation to her and some of the other, and the teachers and things like that. Then Miss Powers leads everybody in a singing of lean on me. Sometimes in our lives, we all have pain, we all have sorrow. But if we are wise, we know that there's always tomorrow. Lean on me when you're not strong. It's a good moment. Um, you know, I appreciate the song appearing yeah. in the in this movie. Um, I <laughs> well, do think it is the name of the movie, so they it is put the, it somewhere. <laughs> yeah, well, they put it in three different places, three different versions, three different places. This is the first one. Um, again, you could tell. I could tell that she was not singing it live. That it was <laughs> obviously her singing at a sound booth and <laughs> do that. That just bothered me a little bit. But neither here nor there. Uh, yeah. Then. As the kids are taking their test, we get the Club Nuevo version of Lean On Me. And to me, no disrespect. I think it's Club Nouveau. Sorry. Club Nouveau? It's Nouveau, not Nuevo. Well, fuck you. I've said Nuevo for like 30 years. <laughs> I'm going to keep saying Nuevo. <laughs> no. It's, it's how I have it in my head. Okay. But, well, I'm sorry, but it's Nouveau. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. You just, like, okay. Also, it's not spelled like Nuevo. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah. I always put the E in front of the V. I always go N. Oh, I even spelled it in my notes, N-O-U-E-V-A-U, but it's N-O-U-V-E-A-U, Nouveau, but I always yeah. I always go Nuevo. Uh, nouveau is a, a word, that's an adjective that means modern or up-to-date. It's going to be pr- problematic for me to change that in my head, I'm just <laughs> telling you. <laughs> All right. Now, let me finish my statement on that. <laughs> no disrespect to Bill Withers. Yes. This is the version of Lean on Me that I grew up on. This is the version that our mother had a 45. And so yeah. when my little child brain saw Nuevo, Nouveau, whatever, <laughs> on the on the record, I put it on and I, I love this one. I remember playing this one a lot when I was younger. And so to me, this is this is my version of Lean yeah. on Me. <laughs> no, admittedly the same. This is the version I heard the most growing up and and while I still would probably say that the Bill Withers is, is the definitive version, if I yeah. you know if I had to have one, oh yeah, um, it's it's so fun. It's very eighties, but that's what I love about that version, mm-hmm. the Club yeah. Nouveau version. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, but see, yes. we're learning today, Adam. <laughs> we it's I, a very special I, education episode. Of I Black hate learning. Past. 
Just kick me out, John. Just fucking put me out with the rest of the drug dealing trash. Nah, I can't do that. All right. You believe in me too much. I yep. appreciate that. <laughs> so uh, we cut to Miss Barrett, who's pissed at the fire chief and mayor. Basically, she's pushing them to, you know, they really got to make a call and, and push forward on their stuff. Um, this is after the testing is already done. We see Kanisha in the auditorium crying. Mr. Clark comes in. Apparently, Kanisha is pregnant, which is very unfortunate. Well, yeah, 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 it's unfortunate. I think any kid, yeah. you know, they still need to grow up at, if they're in high school, they still need to do some growing up before they have a kid, in my opinion. It, um, having lived through, you know, the first, like, almost 40 years of my life, I've really come to the opinion of, you're not really an adult until you hit 25. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, and I would even say it's even later. Like, I had a lot of... I really didn't like start maturing until I was probably closer to 28, yeah. 29 even. Um, and I know some 28, 29 year olds who still, I'm like, fucking grow up, buddy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but besides that, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's your late, late twenties and early thirties where I think it finally kind of clicks in. Yeah. But apparently, you know, that uh, whole mentorship program, it put this, the student body president with Kanisha uh, as a mentor. And then he mentored himself. <laughs> right into her bedroom. <laughs> that's that's what happened. Uh, but anyway, while talking with her, the uh, chief comes in with Barrett into the school, and he's like running around trying to you know get shit, and so uh, to to undo the the locks and things like that. But they get him, they catch him, and he is under arrest for breaking the fire code, and he's taken away. Uh, I do like as he's being taken away, Sam's <laughs> Sam's does like a. I can't remember. Suck on this or something <laughs> yeah. like that. It was just kind of funny. Yo, bitch, vote on this. Sam, you're going to class. Napier tells him in jail, you know, that while, you know, that he'll basically do his best with the school board meeting to not fire him. But, you know, by doing this illegal thing, it's, it's going to be tough. Um, and overall, just there's just overall madness happening going on there at the school board and outside of the jail. Um, we see there's a march uh, of free Joe Clark as the staff and students come out in support of Joe Clark. And they're all kind of walking down the road to, uh, to kind of show their support for him, uh, which is a really nice, really powerful moment. The mayor tries to talk to Joe Clark and tells him he needs to call him every everybody down because if a riot starts, you know, the police are going to have to do something. It's just going to be his students. that are going to get hurt. And I think there's a great line that uh, Joe Clark gives in response where he says, I don't have to do nothing but stay black and die. Adam, this line has stayed with me ever since the very first time I saw this movie. Oh, wow. I love this line. It's a good one. <laughs> it's a good line. I've used this line. Oh, okay. <laughs> not to not not in a mean in a in a ways to mean ironic, but what in, in that what it means is that you know people sometimes think you don't have a choice. You mm -hmm. always have a choice. Now, mm -hmm. sometimes the educator in me is is torn between um, wanting discipline in the classroom and that's just from having you know having to run a classroom of like up to 30 to 50 kids mm -hmm. um or in some cases i've taught like up to 150 kids but being able to think for yourself is really important and that's really i think the the crux of that line the mm -hmm. meaning mm -hmm. of is you you know you have choice you nobody yeah. can really make you do anything now i think it's it's based on there's an old saying that say the only two things you have to do in life are pay taxes and die mm-hmm so I think it was kind of based on that. Okay. It didn't stick with me like it did with you throughout the years, but I do appreciate it. It is a strong line. Yeah. Barrett, at first, she tries to talk to the crowd, which doesn't go really well. Oh, this that that's when Sam's does like a, 
suck it bitch or whatever the hell he says. I can't, I can't remember. No, I think he said it when he was, he was being oh, arrested. Right. But yeah, he's, oh, uh, he said, uh, here's the line actually I do really like from Sam where so Barrett is talking to them and trying to tell them that she's, she wants to give them a good principle. Sam's response <laughs> with, we will give you what Eastside High deserves, a good principle. We don't want a good principle. We want Mr. Clark. <laughs> and that's another good, <laughs> that's another good line. We don't want a good principal. We want Mr. Clark. <laughs> uh, so Clark comes out. There's cheers. And he tries to calm everybody down before riots are happening. And right now, like, they're just like, no, fuck this. You know, we want you set free and et cetera, et cetera. Miss um, Le- Levias comes up and she hands over the test scores, basically saying, shut up and read this. And he does. He announces, they passed. Woo! Which basically secures his job. You know, he did what he needed to do. Um and the crowd sings the East Side High School song, and we get a freeze frame, classic '80s, you know, <laughs> happy moment freeze frame at the end. And as the credits roll, we get another version of "Lean on Me." Lean on me when you're not strong, and I'll be your friend. I'll help you as we see students um, that we had just kind of seen throughout graduating and getting their diplomas, which I thought was a really nice, uh, as opposed to just credits over black. I really liked seeing that. Yeah, I agree. So, it was a nice sort so. of like epilogue. Yes. All right. That is the end of our movie. Uh, before we dive into our final thoughts, which I'll let you go first on, but I just wanted to mention this little bit, as you had kind of already mentioned, uh, there was a real Joe Clark. This was partly based on a true story. Uh, and he apparently had similar methods and was known for carrying a baseball bat in the halls mm-hmm. and like a megaphone, which we saw throughout the movie that uh, that our Morgan Freeman, our Joe Clark did. After his tenure as principal of Eastside High School, apparently Joe Clark served as the director of the Essex County Detention House in Newark, New Jersey, mm-hmm. which is a juvenile detention facility, which seems very fitting <laughs> <laughs> seeing his style. Um, and yet he was still known for being controversial there. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, and then, yeah, there was definitely criticism focused on the social impact of expelling delinquent students to improve test scores, claiming that tossing out the troublesome low achievers simply moved the problems from the school onto the street. And some other critics focused on the fact that while Clark had reestablished cleanliness and order, education scores had not substantially approved at Eastside High, um, which eventually, when he left in 1991, resulted in the high school being taken over by the state. Mm-hmm. After he was gone, so unfortunately, knowing much late, you know, knowing knowing after the movie that it really wasn't the success, and Eastside High ultimately did fail. Does that does that sting your thought on uh, Joe Clark or the movie at all? No, because it's and uh, this is in defense of principals. Principals are asked to do an almost impossible job sometimes, especially in situations like that. They tell you know they some they brought you in to to do something, and then don't get, you don't get support. The way you mm-hmm. need it, so it doesn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. Also, things change from year to year. Um, demographics change, families change, yeah. people change. So it's not okay. that surprising. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, let's dive into our final thoughts of the film. For me, that stuff didn't bother me either because I am very good at you know even movies that are quote unquote based on true events aren't all that much based on true events. Right. Exactly. It's it's a movie, people. It's unless it's a documentary where they're trying to come off as as true. Besides that, it is a work of fiction. And separate yeah. yourself and just try to be entertained. 
Um, or however that entertainment happens, whether it's through drama or comedy or whatever. All right. So final thoughts on the film, John, please start us off. All right. I've always loved this film. I don't, you know, it's, it seems like it's a weird film for a kid to become attached to. Um, and maybe it was just my experience with school that, uh, that helped me to become attached to it. And I mean, as a student, not necessarily as a teacher, but you know what? It's still a great movie. It still holds up. It's uh, it's a great performance by a lot of really good actors. If you've never seen it, and this might be one of the ones where maybe it hasn't been seen by some of our listeners, mm-hmm. maybe say I maybe I'd be pleasantly wrong. Um, and a lot of people have seen it. It's a fantastic movie. It's both infuriating and uplifting at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it is kind of it's kind of interesting watching this in 2020 um, where this has aspects of being a feel good movie. I have aspects where I hate Joe Clark and I love Joe Clark. Mm -hmm. I enjoy watching his tough love methods uh, on a movie aspect, but I don't agree with them. And if it was a principal of my children's school doing that kind of stuff, I would transfer them as soon as I could. I really appreciate the performances in this film. Morgan Freeman, Robert Guillaume, Lynn Thigpen, uh, Beverly Todd, who is Miss Levias, yeah. all give, I think, powerhouse performances. And some of those, like I said, mentioned those two students. You know, there's other students who do good ones, but the Kanisha and the Sams, um, knowing how how this was like the very early acting roles for them, I was really impressed. I thought they did a fantastic job. And this being a bit of a, you know, Lynn Thigpen episode, I just want to say I could listen to her and Morgan Freeman yelling at me for the rest of my life. Like they have great yelling voice. Like they're just—they're the voices, kind of of like a childhood. And we'll get a little bit more with that um, in in where in the world's Carmen San Diego. But like them just having like those very kind of loud, um, impassioned, impassioned voices. It's just like. I mean, yeah, they might be yelling me about something bad, but I'd be like, I could just sit there and just be like, yes, yes, whatever. I'm just like, ah, that feels so good. Just hearing that in my ear hole. (laughs) Yeah, I 100% agree. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, Lean on Me, fantastic film. And if you haven't seen it, I think it's absolutely worth your time to watch. All right, Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego from 1991 to 1995. This show was on PBS. It had five seasons, 295 episodes. And it was based on the 1985 Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego educational video game, which uh, did you ever play that game, John? I did. Uh, when I was in uh, in Richmond in elementary school, uh, which mm. was like some, some yeah. schools have it. They call tag. it tag. Um, here in, in uh, Nevada, they call it gate which is basically okay. just the reverse of tag. Okay. Um, um, my last two years of elementary school, fourth and fifth grade, I was in the enrichment program, and our enrichment teacher had a Apple II computer with that game on it, and we got to take turns yes. playing the game in groups. Yeah. In case anybody's curious, the enrichment tag or gate, John's doing a little bit of a brain flex there, letting everybody <laughs> know that he was a smart kid because uh, only the smart kids got invited into the tag program. But I was, I was also, which was called tag for me in my elementary, and we had very similarly... I played, I, I'm pretty sure this Where in the World is Carmen San Diego game. When we did our top 10 PC games before 2000, I had one that was um, uh, like a mystery game walking around like a house. That's where I played mm-hmm. uh, that one. And I just, you get get those moments. And this was a fun one. I mean, it's a geography, you know, mystery detective game, which works yeah. really well. Yeah. So uh, the cast of this game show, uh, the host was Greg Lee. 
um, who is mostly known as that uh, the host of this show for me, but he also actually was the voice of the mayor and the principal in the show Doug for many episodes. Oh, so wow. that's cool. And uh, the chief, ooh, the chief, uh, <laughs> was voiced or is done by Lee Thin- Thickpan, who we just talked about in Lean on Me. So this is a kids game show where the contestants had to answer basically geography based trivia questions and challenges to find Carmen San Diego to stop her from committing a crime. And the you know each episode would be a different crime, um, and the big prize. At the end, if you won everything, which was damn near impossible, uh, if you won yeah, everything, it was very hard. You would win a trip to anywhere in North America, which is an awesome prize. Yeah. Now, actually, that was different. In the first season, it was only in the lower forty-eight states, uh-huh. and then after I think they got some traction, they might have got more funding, and they were able to make it anywhere in North America. Okay. 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 The episodes I watched. Um, which I could just find on YouTube. They're not, I yeah. couldn't find available anywhere else. So I just yeah. kind of had to Same. pick. And so um, the ones I saw were, yeah, were that one. But uh, yeah, so the game consists of basically three rounds. In round one, it was kind of a, a set of trivia questions um, just di- di- brought to you in different ways, but doing all kind of geography-based trivia questions. And so the top two from that would move on. And then in round two, the memory, it was a memory search game, basically mm-hmm. where you would have to find the loot, the warrant, and the crook. The warrant. The warrant. <laughs> I just. <laughs> it was so fun. Oh my God, this was a fun show. And, you know, once, once you got that locked down and you had to do it, find it in that order. It was basically just like a, it was, it was memory. It was the game of memory yeah. um, that you had to like flip things and like, try and get it in that order. And I do remember like at least once there was like some dumb kid who like forgot where the crook was and it was <laughs> right. already shown earlier. And so he had the loot and the warrant and then he went somewhere else and it's like, uh, no. And so the other kid was like, yeah, here it is <laughs> and got it. But it's just, I mean, th- that wasn't on any of the ones I watched, but I just, I remember that that had happened before. Yeah. Um, and then the final round, which to me, oh my God, this final round was so memorable. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was hard. A, it was hard. So it was a big floor map of different places. You know, it might maybe one, one game or one episode, it would be North America. One episode, it would be Africa, one episode, Asia, uh, et cetera, et cetera, or, or the, you know, uh, Oceania kind of area, whatever. Right. And so you had to put these little sirens, little poles with the siren on top, um, put them where wherever greg told you it was so you had to know your countries or your cities or your or sometimes lakes or oceans or stuff like that yeah and so you know if you could get in episode in season one it was if you could get seven of them in 45 seconds you would win the game and catch carmen san diego and then in seasons two through five it was eight yeah in 45 seconds which is i guess you know they upped it to anywhere in north america from anywhere in in the u.s and (laughs) so they had to up the stakes but like i mean i one of the episodes I watched, this kid was a baller and didn't fuck up once, and he got seven. But the thing is, like, he was fast. He was yeah. still he he got all the first seven in a row, and then uh, he didn't fuck up anything, and he still didn't have time because eight in forty five seconds that leaves you so little time. Yeah, uh, we did watch one where the kid did win. Oh, nice! And he just barely made it. That's awesome. There was actually one unaired episode, I think, from the first season. Where the episode actually had so many problems, they ended up just not releasing oh. it. Uh, at halfway through the episode, something happened to Greg Lee, and they replaced him with Mark Summers. 
Oh, I saw that on a, on the IMDb list that yeah. he was a, a replacement host. So yeah. that was mid-episode? Mid-episode. And Whoa. during the final one, the girl who had actually won during the running around fell and broke her arm. Oh, shit. So they, gave, they had the other kid who lost the previous round a chance to win the spot that she had requested. And I don't think he won. Um, but it eventually, like, they didn't even bother editing it. Like, it's been uh, recorded, but they didn't edit it. They didn't release it. They're like, there was just way too many problems that happened yeah. um, with it. Like, it was it was a weird episode. Like, props were failing. Think like just <laughs> bad things <laughs> happened on that episode. Um, you know what I kind of saw? We we already talked about Legends of the Hidden Temple. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of similar vibes. With these get with this game show and Legend of the Hidden Temple, which this one came out first, yeah. and so maybe Nickelodeon kind of stole some of their idea um, a little bit because it was again very similar. Uh, there were some, I mean, Legends of the Hidden Temple had more history and also geography questions to it, but it yeah. was it was, uh, and they kind of flipped some things around. But it was like, okay, here are small little stages that kind of you know, drop out teams or drop out people until you get to the main final stage, which was almost this super difficult situation to win the final prize. And it was, it was very similar. I guess a lot of them had like that double dare had the same kind of thing where you're doing trivia until you became like the, you know, you, you won the points and then you had to run through the obstacle course and stuff like that. Right. But this show won seven daytime Emmys and ha- and won a 1992 Peabody Award. In 2001, TV Guide ranked it as the number 47 on the top 50 greatest game shows of all time. John, if, if I wanted to say just three words, do you know what those three words would be? Do it, Rockapella. Well, she sneaks about the world song my man god that is so good it is it's epic i mean it's i i I love it's funny that actually both of these this movie and the show um has acapella going on as well (laughs) maybe maybe lynn thickpad as has in her uh um her contract i don't do a movie or or a show unless acapella is involved in some way or fashion and and education like there's a lot of through lines between both of these it's kind of funny but yeah that theme song to me goes down as probably one of the best, you know, in in the 90s shows. Yeah. Now, we haven't ranked our 90s, uh, you know, uh, game show theme, theme songs, songs yet. Yeah, game show <laughs> theme songs are just, the, you know, the the extra theme songs or whatever. Right. So, I I haven't compared it, but like in my in my little brain, man, I just remember this one. It was so much fun. And the way that they integrated Rockapella into other parts of the show? Yes. A lot of fun. You know, they had uh just little, I mean, they would either give song clues every now and then, or that rewatching the show, they had those little songs where, where they were having like the kids had to write down or, or they had to like pick how much they were going to wager. Where and they do a, you want to go? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where do you want to go? Oh, 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 oh
up there. Yeah, exactly. When they would write down, yeah, okay, where you're going to pick to go in North America or right. any of that kind of stuff. It was just cute. I, I, and once they started saying that, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember <laughs> that. So, yeah, I mean, as a game show, there's not really a lot of storylines in here. There's not much to talk about. But, um, you know, so you said you watched it. Uh, it sounds like you watched it with your family. Did you watch? Did you force the kids to watch this one? Did you watch it with your wife? How'd you do it? Okay, so I actually started showing this game show to my son about a year ago. Uh-huh. And every so often, I just throw on an episode. And he recently had been asking me, hey, when are you doing Carmen San Diego again? When, when, when you, cause he, I told him that it was coming up in our schedule. Uh-huh. And so this week, uh, we sat down and watched probably three or four episodes, which probably makes it like we probably watched like 10 episodes total uh-huh. over the course of the year. My son was so upset when he found out that this game show does not still exist. <laughs> I know. He thought this was the greatest thing in the world. He loved it. Every time we watch it, he's like, Daddy, what if I could be on that show? Yeah. What you know? What if I could? Where would I go if I if I could go to anywhere in North America? You know, he loved it, and he knows that there's a show on Netflix called Where in the World's Carmen San Diego, but it's yeah. like a cartoon. It's not exactly. It it's not this. And they had a cartoon after this that was mm-hmm. uh, Carmen San Diego. You know, exactly. It was like a spy show or yeah. whatever. Her kind of going around, and it was good. A lot of people remember that, but it wasn't. This game show has not been replicated. No. On top of that. We found that there's a Carmen Sandiego game on Google Earth. Um, oh. Uh, they have some games and stuff like that. And it's very reminiscent of the original 1985 uh, video game. Oh, very cool. And so I found I found it. I was like, oh, that'd be cool. So I just downloaded Google Earth onto his iPad. And unfortunately, there's not a lot of replayability. Like, there's like mm. three different games, but you, it's the same game every time. Okay. But he had so much fun playing it. He, I mean, it was so much fun to watch this show with him. I didn't really watch it with my daughter. She didn't really get into it. Your your son is hardcore into like trivia and game shows right now. Yeah, he is. He he so. really is. And so it was it was such a blast just to watch it with him. And because he when he got excited about it, I get excited about it. It's still fun to watch. And yeah, the production value kind of stunk, and some of the. Yeah. Acting choices were a little weird. Oh, but the, it was the cheese. The <laughs> yeah, cheese the factor cheese. was high. But that was all part of the fun, you know, when you were kids. As a kid, you don't exactly. care and you like it. What I don't understand is how has this show not been rebooted? Yeah. How has it not been replicated in some form? Because anyone who remembers this, as far as I can tell, remembers it fondly. Um, the Carmen Sandiego, you know, brand is still out there in various forms. It was such mm-hmm. a fun educational thing for kids how is this not something that has come how has pbs not tried to uh, resurrect this or whoever owns the rights to do that sort of thing now because i think now is the time we need something like this you know greg lee is still around you know he can come back or you know if you want or if you need to find somebody else i don't i think greg lee still would would work Uh, he still looks fairly young i actually found just two weeks ago from the time that we were recording this the remaining people left from Where in the World's Carmen State, which basically is Greg Lee and the surviving oh. members of Rockapella. Mm-hmm. I think the I think they I think they are all still alive. There might be one who has passed. Mm-hmm. Um, they were on a YouTube channel called Hosts at Home for like a reunion show because those are big oh, right now during nice. during uh, yeah 
because uh, all those actors are kind of out of work, so they need something to do. So there's been all these sort of reunion shows going on and all these um, celebrities who are making YouTube channels. And so nice. they did a reunion just a couple weeks ago. And I've watched about, I watched about the first five minutes of it before I had to stop because I was uh-huh. doing something else. But I, I'm kind of diving into my final thoughts, but there, yeah. has not, there was yeah. not really a game show like this per se, as far as like geography. And geography was something I really enjoyed uh, mm-hmm. when I was younger. It was one of my favorite subjects. It needs to come back because this show was just fantastic. I'm 100% agreeance with you. Uh, what a great way to teach geography to kids. Everyone who I have mentioned this show to ever always does uh, think of it fondly. It is so much fun. Um, and like this, is, this was on PBS. You know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of kids out there who families didn't have Nickelodeon or other stuff like that. But PBS was, you could get that with the bunny ears, you know, almost everybody had access to the show. And so it has a great nostalgic following. I don't understand why they keep going to the cartoon route for Carmen San Diego. When this game show is perfect. It's a great format. It's so much fun. They brought back double dare. I don't give, I I like double dare. I like this better personally. Bring back hashtag bring back where in the world's Carmen San Diego game show. Yeah. Damn it, people. <laughs> this needs to happen. We need to come up with a more catchier hashtag. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I that's yeah. totally long agree. hashtag. It needs so. to come back. It was fantastic. I'm 34 and I was still enjoying rewatching these episodes too. Yeah. And they were challenging. I mean, even for me, I'm like some of them. Ugh. Yeah. Now, I granted, like in a lot of cases, uh, geography has changed. And actually, between season one and season two is when the USSR was dissolved. Yes. And so, uh, in in like subsequent um, episodes, like when they went to syndication, um, they had to make a disclaimer at the end of all facts or all geography were facts at the time of this we recorded yeah. this. Yeah, I saw stuff with Zaire, which Zaire uh, changed to Democratic Republic of Congo and other yeah. stuff like that. And so, yeah, it does it does change. That's how. But still, damn, this we need an updated one. One hundred percent. Yep. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... Lisa Frank makes the coolest stickers. I should know because I have most of them. See me and Jenny, who's like my absolute best friend ever. We went to the store and there's all this cool stuff like bead mania and paint prints and party favors and stationery and stickers. Of course, stickers. And I told Jenny, no way, I can't pick. And Jenny says, hey, we don't have to buy everything now because Lisa Frank comes up with cool new stuff all the time. It's impossible to keep up with, but it's fun to try. All right, and now we're going to do the casting portion of the show. As we mentioned at the top, we are going to be casting some of our favorite movie and TV principles. Seemed uh, apropos of uh, what we're talking about with Lean on Me, and even with Where in the World is Carmen San Diego. Uh, where in the World is Carmen San Diego? Mm-hmm. Uh, with uh, you know the educational thing. So uh, we kind of put together a list of uh, some of our favorite principles. Kind of found out uh, pretty quickly, the vast majority of principals in movies and TVs are men. White males specifically? Specifically, yes. So uh, we did make one case that we probably normally wouldn't have because I don't, I don't know that it was a movie we probably would have covered on here. Um, Even but though it did come out at the right time, it, at least it for did, me. It did, but uh, I mean, I didn't, I didn't watch it until my children watched it. And so. I, I didn't really watch I was 11 when it came out, and it was a girl's movie. Why yeah. would I watch it? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so the characters we are going to do 
are uh, from Lean On Me, we're going to do the character of Joe Clark. From Saved by the Bell, we're going to do Mr. Belding. From Back to the Future, we're going to do Mr. Strickland. Uh, from The Breakfast Club, we're going to do Mr. Vernon, who is technically an assistant principal, but it, it works. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's a very well-known sort of principal from, from a movie. Uh, from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, we're going to do Mr. Rooney. Uh, from Boy Meets World, we're going to do Mr. Feeney, who I believe started out as a teacher. Te- he was. He was a teacher. And, and but then became, became a principal. Um, and then from uh, Matilda, uh, since we had nothing but men, uh, we added Mrs. Trunchbull, who uh, was uh, kind of the mean principal. Intimidating, yeah. yeah intimidating, <laughs> yes, one in Matilda. Yeah. So uh, since we since we had Lean on Me, I'm going to end with Joe Clark. Okay. Because he's actually, out of all this list, out of all the characters on this list, he is the only one who is the lead character of his story. In every yeah. other case, he is a side. Yeah. They are a side character, You're and right. I took that into account when I was looking for my actors. Oh. And in most cases, I tried to kind of go with well-known character actors. Okay, fair enough. In, I, I actually, I think I. I didn't. I didn't do that. Uh, I did that subconsciously. It looks yeah. like just looking at my stuff. It kind of fit that way because my my Joe Clark is definitely more of an A list, um, while the others are all kind of secondaries. Yeah, um, okay. I think in my list, every actor I have is going to be somebody who you recognize, um, mm. if not by name, then definitely by sight. At least I at least have at least two of them, who you'll probably once you see them, you'll recognize them. Um, okay. but for the other, at least other ones, you're probably going to recognize them by name. Um, okay. so we'll just go backwards down that list and we'll start with Miss Trunchbull and I'll start it off. Uh, I'm pretty secure in this casting. I think there are a lot of people who probably could play this role. She's, you know, she's kind of a caricature of a mean principal, you know, not really how mean, you know, somebody who's, mm-hmm. she hates kids, but somehow she became a principal. Like it makes no sense. Nobody <laughs> gets, nobody gets into education for the money. I can tell you that for sure. Um, so I wanted to go with a, a, an actress who is kind of like a big personality and could kind of do that. I mean, she'd have to she'd put her own spin on it. So it'd be a little bit different, but she's kind of tall and intimidating in just like physically, so I thought it would work. Uh, I chose Leslie Jones. Oh wow, she would do a great job. As wow, mis- I didn't think of her, but yeah, that's great. You know, I mean, she's a little kooky. She's very funny and, and out there, and maybe they could incorporate that kind of humor somehow into yes. her. But you know, her being plus, I, I don't often see her as uh, as the antagonist in anything she does. So that would be a nice yeah. kind of for change. I mean, absolutely, and, and yeah, doing the. The comedy route, obviously, Matilda is a comical film, mm-hmm. and like Leslie Jones is tall and can be imposing. Like she would scare the shit out of kids. <laughs> yeah, like not. She'd I don't mean that. Scare in the a, shit out of me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I would love. I bet she could be kind of. Yeah, very into. I like that call a lot. Actually, I think oh, that's cool. pro- that's a better call than what I did. I mean, I like my choice, <laughs> okay. but um, that that one's. I, I'm actually I'm really down for that. Okay, cool. So, who did you so. go with? Yeah, so mine's a bit of like a, a one-for-one um, mm-hmm. transfer. When I was like looking up Miss Trenchbull and kind of re, you know, reminding myself, you know, what this character is like or whatnot, I got vibes of the show Glee, and there was this one character, Coach Beast, on that show, <laughs> and this actress is a tall, intimidating-looking. I mean, I mean, in in a rough way, uh, I would say masculine-looking female, where 
you get, that actually was a big part of her character as well. I think she transitioned from female to male in the show Glee as well. And Miss Trunchbull has a lot of like the masculine um, look to her and intimidating stop. So my actress is Dot Marie Jones. And I thought she actually had some depth in that Glee show. And so I think, you know, I mean, she's, she's definitely a good actress. I think she could do a great job as well. So I was very happy with uh, with that choice. Okay. I do not know her. I never okay. watched Glee, so I'm gonna have to look her up real quick. Okay. Oh, she's definitely got that look. She, I mean, she is. It's it's pretty much like a. Okay, I'm just taking a, a very similar look. Okay. Um, oh but, yeah, yeah. Looking at um. Oh, she looking at a picture of her from uh, Two Broke Girls because she was on that uh-huh. show for I don't know a couple episodes or whatever. Mm-hmm. I totally see the one to one. I totally see okay. it. I don't know anything okay. about her acting. But obviously she's working, so she's got to be good. So I will totally give you a thumbs up on that one. Cool, just Thanks just for the look alone. Yeah, yeah, she's that's it was kind of a and he's, I just I saw the Miss Trunchbull. I was like, oh wow, Co- Coach Beast. I am seeing Coach Beast right here. So yeah, cool. Uh, all right, let's move on to Mister Feeney from Boy Meets World. Admittedly, a show I didn't really watch. Oh wow, which I did. I, I was definitely, know you did. Yeah. Um, I will say, even though I did not watch it. I was totally into t- 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 some uh, Topanga. Oh, yeah. Everybody was into Topanga. She was smart. She was super hot. How Corey Matthews, you know, locked that down. What a dork. What a failure. <laughs> but we're all a little jealous. Yeah. All right. So we're going to do Mr. Feeney. Anna, why don't you start us off on this one? Sure. So Mr. Feeney, he can be harsh when he needs to be harsh, but he's really got a heart of gold. He's a sweet Older, older guy um, who really becomes, you know, I wouldn't say necessarily kind of a bit of a father figure mm-hmm. for for Corey and Matthew, uh, or Matthew's their last name. Sorry, Corey and Eric, um, and even you know for everybody on that show, really. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted someone who I felt could bring a lot of that sweetness, um, but also, yeah, he's just, he's a he's a good character actor. You've seen him in a lot of different things. I remember him most as Babu Bot on Seinfeld, but he was also Raj uh, Raj's dad on Big Bang Theory. Oh, yeah. Uh, his name is Brian George. He is, um, I believe, a British actor, but he... Oh, he's, he was born in Jerusalem. Oh. Um, but he's... I don't know. He's, he's usually plays like Pakistani or Indian characters. Yeah. Um, but he is... He's got... A, Honestly, he's got a very feeny face to him, <laughs> and I think that's what that's what kind of uh, put me down that path. I like that. I like that choice. He's a good character actor. Mm-hmm. Um, he could totally do that. I wonder how old he is now. I mean, not that uh, not that there really has any bearing on it. Sixty-eight. It looks like. Okay. Which I looked up. Mr. Feeney, uh, the actor. I can't remember his name. Um, uh, William Daniels. Was si- that was the William, actor's was name. Was sixty-six when he started playing the role. Really? So it's pretty. Yeah. That's amazing. I thought I thought he was going to be younger too, but it was uh, it was is because he was born in what was it twenty-seven. 19- yeah, 1927. Like, that's, whew. Yeah, that's a career. That is, hell yeah, that's a career. Oh, that's a good choice. That's a good choice. I like that actor. I like that. Yeah, he's one of those faces you see and just, oh, like, oh, I've totally seen you. You know what? I've got to say, I well, I shouldn't say I made a, um, a snafu on this. William Daniels has such a unique voice. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, in my head, I was like, I have to cast, I have to cast somebody British. For some reason, in my head, I was like, oh, he has some sort of British twang in his voice. He must be British. He's not. He's an American actor. Yeah. And I've heard him speak in other things, so I I think that's just the way, that's his natural voice. Mm -hmm. So I ended up going with a a British actor. That's fine. That that doesn't bother me. 
Well, I think out of all the roles, I think out of, out of all of these, I think Mr. Feeney, somebody British probably would work really, really well. As far as like, 100, like if I'm thinking agree. like British mannerisms, that sort of thing. Yeah, I don't think really any of the others fit with like having a British person do it, but Mr. Feeney would work the best. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I actually came down to two actors and I wasn't quite sure who I went with or who to go with. I, I went with one over the other. I was thinking about the actor Toby Jones. Um, who uh, has been in a lot of things. Uh, anyone who is a Marvel oh, fan yeah. recognize him as um, as the Doctor from the first uh, the first uh, Captain America movie. He's the the one who works yes, with Arnim uh, Zola. Yeah, yeah, Zola. He's a fantastic fantastic uh, British character actor. Uh, but I ended up going with somebody who I wouldn't say he's any more well known than Toby Jones, but he's he, definitely in the last uh, you know. 10 years, five to 10 years or so is well known for a TV show he was on. Uh, I went with Hugh Bonneville. Looking him up because the name doesn't. Uh, he was on, um, uh, oh God, I just blanked on the show name. Downton Abbey? Downton Abbey. That. That's the one. I've never seen an episode of Downton Abbey, but he looks like a friendly British dude. <laughs> chap. A friendly British chap, I'll say. Yeah, I unfortunately don't really know much of his work. Okay. I never saw Paddington or Paddington 2. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I've seen anything that he's... I'm okay. sure I've seen something, but he's not ringing a bell. He's in Notting Hill. Huh. I have seen some episodes of uh, Downton Abbey. That was a, a show my wife definitely got into. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it was a good show. I just It was just not something that caught my interest, even after watching it. Um, okay. But after you know seeing his stuff, I, I definitely think... Uh, cool. I, I definitely think he could work. All right. Uh, um, you're not going to hear me bitching about that one. That's fine. I think I'm actually going to defer to you on that choice. I, I, think, I do know my Boy Meets World a little bit better than you do. So yeah. I think, Plus, I think, uh, given the two, I mean, you de- you know, that actor, I think definitely could work. Cool. All right. Uh, this one's interesting. Mr. Rooney from Ferris Bueller's. Did we, we didn't, we didn't recast Ferris Bueller, did we? Let me see. We did, we did do Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Okay. And, all right. And your Mr. Rooney was Randall Park. Okay. Which is still, I think, pretty, pretty funny. And mine was Neil Flynn. Okay. So I didn't go with either of those. Yeah. I neither. think maybe I've decided, I think I think my current choice is better okay. than what we did before. That's it's wild that it was so long ago that I completely forgot we had even done it. <laughs> yeah. Well, John, we, we've been doing this for three years now. And by, yeah, yeah, by the time this episode comes out, uh, it will be kind of past our three-year mark or which was august 6th so yeah actually actually, oh, yeah. actually the time of recording we're already past our three-year yeah. mark so we've had <laughs> we have a lot of uh a lot of episodes a lot of castings it's hard to remember everybody yeah but i actually think i went with a better choice and admittedly he's played a similar character on another show it was kind of like a, a limited run show only ran for two seasons, um, but it was only intended to run for two seasons. I think you're going to like my choice. I don't know if you're going to like my choice better than your choice, but I think you're at least going to l- agree with me that okay. knowing Mr. Rooney, that this guy can definitely do that sort of thing. Um, and he already played a, uh, a sort of vice principal on the TV show Vice Principals. I went with Walton Goggins. Okay. I wish I have not seen... Vice Principals, I've heard good things. It's actually, I think, done by the same guy who did Eastbound and Down, which I'm a big fan of Eastbound and Down. Um, all, or at least also um, the the main actor uh, oh, from Vice Principals. Yeah, I, I can't why I why that's blanking in my head. I <laughs> really don't know. But uh, Danny 
Danny Masterson? No, yeah. Danny Masterson was the guy from that 70s show. Danny oh. McBride. Whew. That's it. That's uh, it. And he did look like he had a, probably a similar vibe on that um, as to Mr. Rooney on Vice Principal, but I would need to watch it. Walton Goggins is a kind of actor who can do absolutely any role he wants, in yeah. my opinion. He's that strong of an actor. I think he would do fantastic. So. I, that's, I thought he's like, he pops up in everything. He plays all kinds of different roles. I've already seen him play kind of a smarmy vice principal. Yeah. You know, in that. So I, it, to me, it was uh, kind of a no brainer. I do find it funny. I didn't go with Walton Goggins, but you and I were on very <laughs> similar wavelengths here. Because so you did a show, a, a vice principal from a show written by Jody Hill and Danny McBride. I did a vice principal from a or a principal by a show done by Jody Hill and Danny McBride. <laughs> I actually went to Eastbound and Down for my principal, and I went with the guy who played. Uh, I think I can't remember if he was vice principal or principal on that show, um, but his name is Andrew Daly, and he's done a lot of comedic stuff. And I recognize the name. Just, as soon as I see the face, I'm going to know it. Pro- probably. He usually plays, he's kind of like a dorky and nerdy dude, but mm. I think I could totally see him getting fed up and coming after a Ferris Bueller. Um, <laughs> he usually has glasses on, but like, if yeah, Eastbound and Down was kind of where I thought seeing his character would fit really well as a Mr. Rooney. And I just find that very funny because you went with the exact same people who wrote that just a different show. Um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I, I, oh. I'm, I'm all, I'm all on the wavelength. Okay. I totally recognize him, especially with the glasses on. Yes. With the glasses on, that's, that's definitely it. He's done bit parts in like uh, Reno 911. Yeah. Uh, all over the place. He's I, voice voices on American dad voices on that Harley Quinn show going on voices on Bob's burgers. He's been on veep. He's, yeah been on a ton of comedic stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, and and just knowing his character from Eastbound and Down, I think he'd fit really well. That's that's a good call. That's a good cool. call. I would not uh, I would not be upset with that choice. I, and I wouldn't be upset at your other one. I just I found it funny how kind of similar but different we <laughs> went. That's cool. All right, yeah. cool. Let's uh, go on to Mr. Vernon from The Breakfast Club. You know, some of those early John Hughes movies, they get a lot of praise. I don't really watch a lot of them. Not really huge into watching 16 Candles. Breakfast Club is probably the only one I really watched at all, as far as ones where like he wrote and directed, because he was a very prolific writer. He wrote a lot of really good movies. Yeah. I I mean, whenever it was on like TBS or TNT, I remember watching Breakfast Club, and if yeah. I flipped through it, I would stop and watch it, because it was enjoyable. Right. For, uh, me, for me, Uncle Buck, though, man. Oh, Uncle yeah, yeah. Buck is my John Hughes movie till yeah. I die. I agree. So uh, why don't you go ahead and lead us off with this one? Sure. Vernon has got to be a little over the top <laughs> with some of his his uh, anger and, and the way he kind of, especially how he confronts Bender and, and whatnot. You know, I can't even remember some of the lines he says, but they're just, they're, they're ridiculous. Like, don't mess with the bull, you'll get the horns. Yes, that's it. That's exactly what I was trying to think <laughs> of. And I didn't, didn't go, it's the bull before you get the horns. Uh, so I wanted an actor who I thought could have that over the top and over the top anger if he needed to. I love this guy, especially if you've seen the show Barry recently. I've used him in multiple castings, I think, at least at least one, if not multiple ones. But he's a really funny dude. He was really funny on SNL for a long time. I think he would actually could use his improv chops to do a really strong Mr. Vernon. I went with Bill Hader. Oh, that's an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. It's, it's when I don't see it right off the bat, but that doesn't mean mm-hmm. that it couldn't happen. Bill Hader's a fantastic actor. He's obviously carved yep. himself a really good niche with uh, Barry. Because it's won several awards. It has. Uh, if you haven't seen it, if anybody out there hasn't seen it, I highly recommend it. It's a, I actually a have good, not seen it. 
it's a dark humor show. Uh, uh-huh. Absolutely. But I, I'm very much like it. And maybe it's because I've known some of those type of people. It's set in Los Angeles, and he's like trying to become an actor, and I'm seeing yeah. some of these other caricatures <laughs> of people. I'm like, yeah, I've met some people like y'all. <laughs> so. um, I'm going to say hesitant approval. Okay. Because I like Bill Hader, um, and he's a really good actor. I don't see it, but I'm not going to go so far as to say you're wrong, because I don't think you're wrong. I think Bill Hader can probably do it. Mm-hmm. I've, I've seen him in some roles where he's been that – over you know over the edge angry dude and so i feel like he could fit into this role he'd probably be doing a caricature character of the guy who played vernon okay. if he did it but i yeah. but i that but i but i'm okay with that i want that okay okay um i kind of went with a kind of a one-to-one like i saw this guy and i was like oh he kind of reminds me of that actor in the way he looks um now i think he's a good actor and i, I don't think you'll disagree with me in that he is a good actor He's been in a, a, a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff, and I liked everything that I've seen him in. And he, I just got just looking at him, I was like, I'm getting those same vibes. I think he could do it. Uh, I went with Ben Mendelsohn. Oh, Ben Mendelsohn. It's um, I'm certainly not going to disagree about his acting ability. <laughs> <laughs> he's a really good actor, and he's even got a similar face shape. Yeah, to <laughs> that's kind of what I went actor. with. <laughs> uh, so I. I totally see it. I like it a lot. You know, I like it because I like Ben Mendelsohn right. and he could to- 100% do it. Okay. I mean, I, I knew that's, I knew I was going to kind of get that because, um, you know, you've said it in the past and I've said it in the past, we, we love yeah. Ben Mendelsohn. I, I really liked him as, um, oh, I cannot remember the character's name in Captain Marvel. Oh, scroll. yeah. Talosh yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever. I forget that guy. Yep, yep, that main scroll. That Which main I'm still scroll. curious. Are they going to turn scrolls bad? Like, I, are they going to make that? I don't know. I was not as hurt by that because I was not as familiar with scrolls. I had not yet done my entire yeah. reading, and I'm, I'm going to kind of plug a show, um, OCD, Ongoing comic, uh, comic Book Discussion Podcast. I did a whole – I read the entire scroll invasion run, yeah. like 29 <laughs> trade books. In, you did a lot of prep. I did a lot of prep episode. for that one episode. But it showed, actually. You did a good, really good discussion. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and I've read a, not all of that, hell no, but I've read like a couple of the different books mm-hmm. um, that had to do with the scroll invasion. And so I didn't love that the scrolls were kind of these nice, sympathetic characters. I kind of I wanted the next big event to be Secret Invasion, and now right. it's like, now I feel like they can't do that. Or if they do it, they're going to be backtracking and, and kind of fucking up some stuff. Yeah. So after I read that, I was like, yeah, I, I kind of didn't like it. I mean, it it kind of makes sense in the, mm. you know, because the, the, famously in, in Marvel Comics, the Skrulls and the Creed are at war with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, but, you know, I, I, I don't know if, if maybe somebody was like, well, we'll have, somebody has to be sympathetic. It can't just be that these two, you know, peoples are going to war with each other and Earth is caught in the middle, which is exactly what happens in the Kroll Scree War. Yeah. But I, 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 admittedly, I think it was a bad move. I did like his character, and I mm. did think it was an interesting switch. But kind of getting us back to it, I just, I liked how Ben Mendelsohn handled that character. Honestly, where I see, yes, he's a little bit more dramatic. But his villain in Rogue One, oh um, yeah, I can see he absolutely could kind of take pieces of that and turn it into the villain um, as as uh, Principal Vernon or Assistant Principal Vernon. So yeah, yeah, cool, cool. All right, let's move on. All right, uh, Mr. Strickland. Um, oh, this was a hard one to recast. It, yeah. It's hard we to know, see. We love James Tolkien. Yeah, it's hard to see anyone else other than him in that role. Yep. So I I think I might made an interesting choice, and maybe you won't like where I go with this, but I, I like this actor in, in 
well, God, a lot of the really big things he's been in. Um, he normally doesn't play American characters, okay. um, and that is because he is Swedish. Um, well, I often heard it, heard it, heard it. I often see him as Russian characters um, and other things. But I, he's a really good character. He's a really good character actor, and I think he might work well as kind of the intimidating Strickland. We both loved him as Satan in Constantine. I went with mm. Peter Stormar. Yeah, who was also in Fargo. He was also in Armageddon. Big Lebowski for me is what I remember yep, him Big from. Big Lebowski. Oh, he is he. He plays He's also in an episode of Seinfeld, I believe. Um, <laughs> he plays an intimidating, like, kind of characters almost. I had no idea that he was Swedish because he is Russian in so many things <laughs> yeah. that I just thought he was a Russian actor. Whoa, that's awesome. It, it's definitely not a one to one by no, any means. It's no, very it's different. I like him as an actor. He is so interesting. And, and, and uh, every time he's on screen, oh, God, I love him in Armageddon as well, just yeah. kind of looking in and stuff. Every time he's on screen, he makes me happy. So I, I'm not gonna shit on this. Okay, I cannot because the guy is so fun to watch. It might be one of those things where we may have to see him in the role before we get it. You know, um, yeah. You yeah, know, and also, you know, I can he do an American accent or does he need to do an American accent? Can he just be, you know, his original? You know, so said there's no, there's nothing to say that a, uh, um, you know, someone from another country couldn't come in. This isn't yeah. be a principal. Yeah, That's principal. not at all un, un, unheard of. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, but so. does it, can he have that same mannerisms as yeah. Strickland? I think he can. I would need to see it. You're the way you put it, because James Tolkien is so in my head, like <laughs> yeah. as Strickland. It's really tough for me to see uh, him take that to see Peter Stormare do it. But I, I love him as a character actor. So, um, I, I'm really glad that we put him in our casting somewhere. Okay, cool. All right, who did you go with? Uh, yeah, as I mentioned. It's really tough to replace James Tolkien, as you mentioned, same kind of thing. I more so went on the, um, he's kind of a short guy, Mm -hmm. uh, James Tolkien, but he's also like intimidating and kind of a fucking spitfire, (laughs) that (laughs) kind of thing. So I went with a different short actoress. Ah. I I gender bent this role. I wanted somebody who could definitely be a spitfire. She's definitely older enough to kind of be a, a principal nowadays. And I bet she could be that, have that anger that James uh-huh. Tolkien had, but it's a different role. It's you know, going with the female route instead. I went with Lori Petty as my Mrs. Strickland. Oh. You know, we know her from uh, League of Their Own. Some people might've seen Tank Girl. Yes. Okay. I'm totally on board with that. It's a totally different kind of take, but I it think is. I want to see her as being like the coming up and, you know, honestly, looking up to our Michael J. Fox character or whoever and just, you know, really berating him. And I think Lori Petty could do a good job of berating, you know, whoever. I'm uh, I'm totally on board with that. Okay. I'm totally cool. on board with that. I think she oh, yeah. uh, I think she could totally do that. Cool. Although it's it what is we, what is weird is is as of late, my memory of her is as sort of the hippie woman. I know Orange is the, Orange new, is the new black. <laughs> black. Yeah. So it's a it's a little bit of a change. But that's yes. not to say she couldn't do it because we've, we've seen her range in other things. She was definitely a spitfire in a league of their own. Loved her yeah, in that yeah. movie. And that's, that's probably where I thought most of, yeah. uh, just kind of like that energy. I wanted her to have that energy. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's move on to Mr. Belding, very well known from Saved by the Bell. Adam, who did you, yep. uh, who did you pick for this? Mr. Belding is such a dork. Like he is just a, 
silly guy with a silly laugh. <laughs> That's kind of how he did his stupid laugh. Yeah. Um, but uh, I-, I wanted somebody who I felt could uh, or had had some comedy aspects to him. And you, did, and you don't need I guess he did probably appear in every single episode, but I don't need someone who he's not carrying the show. The kids are carrying mm-hmm. the show. And I just need this person to, you know, add in some comedy here and there. You know, he's a, he's definitely a dork. He's a nerd. So I went with not not a nerd like Screech is a nerd. <laughs> right. And when this when my actor was younger, he probably would be much more like a Screech. But as he's older, he's gotten a little pudgier. And I've seen it through the years as he's done guest spots on Big Bang Theory. That's actually going to show that my wife and I are just kind of eh, just putting on in the background right now. Mm-hmm. And it's probably not one that I'll be rewatching again because like I, I'm not really watching it. like the first like four or five seasons, I think, are actually pretty, pretty solid. Yeah. And then it just pff, big old tanks down. It's just like each <laughs> season gets worse and worse. And I'm just like, this show is really not that great. But it was solid. Like the first yeah, I said four or five enjoying it. And his dynamic with Sheldon, I thought was really funny. But I see kind of like the pudginess that he's getting. He's got all the nerd cred in the world. I think he's got all some good comedy chops especially from Big Bang Theory and whatnot. I went with Will Wheaton oh, as my Mr. Belding. I like that. I like that call. He he would totally ham it up, and I think that's that's what you need for Mr. Belding. Yeah. No, I like that. So. Oh, that'd be good. Okay. He's probably about, about the same age now as probably Mr. Belding was he, when they filmed. He's 48 right now, and I think that exactly, that was like, especially if you were at the start of the show, like a young principal-ish yeah. kind of thing, the that funny, fits pretty well. The funny thing is, is Will Wheaton, even though in, in even in even though he's God, he's forty eight, it's hard to think about. Um, he still has kind of a youngish face. He does have a boy he face. Does have yeah, a boy it's face. hard not to. The beard helps, though. The beard yes. helps. I think you'd have to keep the beard for the show. He's gained he's gained some of that weight, so I think the beard, you know, much like you, and probably <laughs> much like you know how I have some facial hair, um, it's to help hide a little <laughs> bit of that. Double, triple chin. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, probably because we've seen him in Stand By Me as a child and in Star Trek as a child and whatnot, it's just hard not to imagine him as anything else. But yeah, if he has that beard, exactly. He needs the beard and he needs that little bit of belly pudge that I've seen him with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I think he'd do well. How about you, John? So uh, I ended up going with a character actor, um, probably somebody who you're not going to recognize by name. You'll recognize him by face. Probably out of all the people I picked in this one, he's probably the least well-known. He's just a good character actor. You know, um, Mr. Belding, I mean, yeah, he does kind of play a big role, but I I don't see this guy being able to not be able to do the role. I I think I just used a double negative there when I didn't intend to. Um, I know what you meant. You know, he's not going to, he's not going to, you know, I don't think you're going to be wowed by this casting. I think you'll probably be like, okay, he, you know, barring not being able to get Will Wheaton, he might be able to do. Um, but he's, you know, he's been in so many things and he just, he's constantly working. So I, I think, uh, I think he could work. I went with an actor named Oliver Platt. Oh, I know Oliver Platt. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I've seen him in a ton of stuff. I mean, he's been, in, he's been working forever. Uh, he was in uh, the three Musketeers movie yeah. from 93. He was in Lake Placid. Um, he's been doing a lot of TV work, Chicago Med, mm-hmm. Chicago Justice, Chicago Fire, Chicago PD. Hmm. I wonder if he played, oh, he played the same <laughs> character in all those. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> they all, yeah, they all integrate with each other, those shows. I've never watched any of them. Yeah. I, I like him as an actor. I, I'm interesting seeing him be as much of a doofus. Mm-hmm. I, I have trouble seeing him as being okay. the doofus that Mr. Belding That's is. That's fair. But I like him as an actor. I definitely like him as an actor. So, um, if he got that role... I wouldn't be upset. I would totally give him the benefit of the doubt. Okay. I'll, I will take that. Okay. 
cool. Uh, all right. Uh, so we're on to our, our, our main man in this one, the only one who's actually kind of a lead, a lead character. Uh, mm-hmm. and that is Joe Clark from Lean On Me. I'll jump in with this one. Um, I don't think I'm going to get too much of an argument from you as to this guy being, you know, a lead leading actor. Mm-hmm. Even though a lot of the stuff I see him in, he's not the lead actor, but he's so good. Uh, he's he has done he has led a, a couple movies and some big ones too. Uh, I I don't really need to lead too much with it. Uh, I went with uh, Chuidal Ejiofor as my oh, Joe Clark. Yeah, I mean. We know him what as um, Baron Mordo. Ba- Baron in... Mordo, um, I love his character in The Martian. I think he's fantastic yeah. in that. Um, he was in Twelve Years a Slave. He played the lead in that. Yep. So yep. he absolutely could bring. Oh, and Ser- the... was it Serenity? We talked about him in. Yes, yes, right. He was the bad. No, yeah, he was the bad guy in Serenity. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And he was he was actually quite good in that one as well. Yeah, he is a strong actor, and he you're definitely not going to get any pushback from me. He would bring all that, and and honestly, I wouldn't need it to be played much different. Right. You know, I know actors want to put their own spin on it, right. but I'm just like Morgan Freeman kind of <laughs> nailed it. I just need you to kind of do play play your Morgan Freeman. Right. Uh, but he would he would be able to to bring all that same kind of energy. Absolutely. Okay. Cool. 100%. All four. This is a great casting. Okay. Who did you go with? I'm expecting a very similar response, I hope, <laughs> to what I just gave you, <laughs> to getting an actor who he's not definitely also very similarly. He's not always the lead in his stuff, but anytime I see him in something, he is really good in it. And so I, I've known him most from, we've hell, I think we've both cast him before, so it's hard so it's, I, I think uh, that's going to be tough to to shit on him anyway. Mm-hmm. He's he's been in Shaft, the 2000 movie, uh, but we probably both know him best from his role in Westworld. I went with Jeffrey Wright. Oh yeah, I 100% think he could bring the energy. Yeah, I totally I totally agree. He could totally bring the energy. He's gonna be he's gonna be the Jim Gordon in the upcoming The Batman movie, yeah. which I think he's gonna nail oh, it out I, of the park. I thought that was a great great yeah. casting choice, honestly. Um, yep. I thought that was good. You know, it would be an interesting dynamic. And maybe maybe I'm just thinking this too hard. What about Chuidal as Joe Clark and... And Jeffrey Wright as, as Frank Napier? As Frank Napier. I'm, I'm totally down for that. <laughs> totally down for that. I think that's a good Damn dynamic. It. All right. How do we squeeze in the other casting? Can we just turn this into, <laughs> into a lead on me casting? But I, you know what? That would 100% work. I think it's because I think Chuita looks a little bit younger than uh, than Jeffrey Wright does. So you get, yep. you definitely get that, even though they're basically supposed to be about the same age. Yeah. Um, you get that sort and of mentor mentee almost dynamic. Yes, and you can still have a friend dynamic there. Absolutely, there's similarities between the two of them. Um, I, I, yeah, exactly. If you know what, if that's how we played this, I'm all for it, man. Cool. That's great. Uh, but I, even even that being said, I would not be at all upset. Yeah, with uh, uh, Jeffrey Wright being cast as as uh, Joe Clark, so sounds good. I think I think some good castings all around. I think we I think we all had yeah. some some good choices or at least some competent choices. Uh, yes, pretty much all of them felt um, plausible. Uh, not yeah. one of them I really I didn't even hold back. I wouldn't have held back. You know me. Yeah. If I didn't think any of them would have worked, and all of ours, the only I said the only the most interesting one is the the Peter Stormare as. Uh, Strickland, but at the same yeah. time, I like him so much, I, I would give him that shot. So yeah, this yeah. this thumbs up all around, man. Very very cordial. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I know sometimes people like to hear the uh, 
the tension, but combative. I'm, yeah, I know. I I do. When I go back and I listen to our episodes, <laughs> the combative ones are easily my most favorite. <laughs> I know, but I I like I you know we think on a lot of the same wavelengths a lot of time because we have a lot of shared experiences. I like it when we come across or we come around with with yeah you know good castings all around. Yeah, yeah. We we both did a good job this time. All right. Good on us. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and that was our casting of our some of our favorite movie and TV principles. Please join us next time as we get our hippie on and our little folksy on while we do an album review of the Crosby Stills Nash and Young album Deja Vu. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late-night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get.